everybody. Welcome back to Devil Details. We're here with another exciting episode. This is episode five of our podcast, and we're talking about episode five of Blackbird. Yeah. It's fun how that lines up. (laughs) Kristen, what is this episode? Episode five is called The Place I Lie, and its description is Jimmy's mounting fear and paranoia compel him to provoke Larry. Macaulay and Miller have a breakthrough. Larry's therapist grows concerned. Dun, dun, dun. This episode, I think this episode is going to be hard for us to talk about. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially yeah. the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe the yeah. last like 15 minutes or so were very hard. Very, very hard. Yeah. But we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to get through. Bear with us for the harder parts, I think. But of course, we're going to have fun, too. And we have. Yes. We have some awesome featured guests that we're going to get to at the end of the episode, too. So awesome. Two guests this episode. Yeah. Not one, but two. Pretty awesome guests, too. Two awesome, awesome guests. We have, just to tease it for the end of the episode, we have... Cade Tropiano, who plays young Larry Hall in episode four. And da-da-da-da, we have Lainey Stibing, who plays Jessica Roach. Yes, a friend of the show, too. Friend of the show. Yes, for sure. I think, actually, Lainey's been on board with the podcast for a long time now. A very long time. Yeah, she might be tied with Jill Williamson for how long we've been holding this secret (laughs) of Lainey being on our show. So this is very exciting. We're so excited. Let me say excited 50 more times. <laughs> We're so excited to have Lainey on the show and Kate, but we will get yes. to them in a little bit. To bring some levity at the end of the episode. Yes. To lighten it up a little bit. They were great. They had some great stuff to They do. To great tell stories. But yeah, we know it's going to be a hard episode to talk about. The hardest part, I think, is how how real everything is. Yeah. It, it was a very, and I have that in my notes, how realistic it felt yeah and and it is real i mean these are real stories the actors are playing it in a way that's so captivating but there's this realness behind it that really brings a lot of emotion into it you know Mm -hmm. like i mean we'll talk about it all but there's you know the devastating moment at the very end of the episode and yeah jimmy keen is a real person who really Mm -hmm. had to talk to a real person named larry hall who did all these things and yeah you know, the really horrendous things that Larry described himself as doing to these girls is something that really happened. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Roach was a real person, yes. a real young girl. A, a real victim that had a family. and Yeah. And the show, giving this voice to her and having her mm-hmm. be this living, breathing element in the show was an incredible writing choice. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I loved that they did it just by dialogue as opposed to showing what happened. Yeah. Because it just gave such a beautiful essence of it and kept her humanized. Yeah. Because she is a person. Yeah. And it showed just all these happy moments with her Mm -hmm. and her life and that she was a real person. So it's going to be hard. Yeah. We'll we'll try our best to keep the uh, lightheartedness that we have in all of our episodes, but of course, of course, yeah, there are there are a few. There's a and there's a little you know there's some funny moments in this episode. There's uh-huh. a little chuckle here and there, so we'll get through it. Yeah, I did want to say before we start, I <laughs> I was talking to my brother about this last night. Actually, there's the episode recaps that play before the episode mm-hmm. are probably the most unhelpful el- episode yeah. recaps of any show that I've watched. 
especially because <laughs> episode four is almost like a break, like mm-hmm. a midpoint in the series, I think. And the recap in front of episode four, it, you know, it mentioned Vincent Gigante and it had Big Jim's character and it showed Macaulay and Miller. Then none of that is addressed in the no, episode. At all. Not at <laughs> like all. we didn't. I think they just showed them because we didn't see them in episode four. No, that's what I'm saying. That oh, was, okay, yeah. that was in front of episode four. Episode four, yeah. Yeah, and then episode four didn't have any of that. And then no. in front of episode five, the recap had a bunch of stuff from episode four, which yes. is fine. I mean, but we yeah. are back to the Vincent Gigante stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's very... It should have <laughs> flipped a little bit. Yeah, I think so. They should have had, in the recap, they probably should have addressed more stuff from episode three that's being tied back into episode mm-hmm. five here, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, they could have put, like, something about Jessica Roach because we saw her in episode one and now she's yeah. uh, this big point in episode five. Yeah, because so. they really don't really mention her just in passing for episode two, three, four. Yeah, exactly. So, so they could have, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's just my feelings from like more <laughs> long running shows that bring things in like, oh, you know, this happened like three episodes ago. We're going to talk about it again. So here yeah. it is in the recap. Yeah. And they're just, they just recap the last episode pretty yeah. much. <laughs> they're like, they, they've been watching. They know what's happening. <laughs> you know what happened. I mean, it's a short series. You don't yeah. really need that much, do you? Yeah, just literally recapping the previous episode. <laughs> but that's okay. We know what's happening. Yes. We watched all the episodes. We dove deep into all the episodes and we're diving deep into this one. Yeah. And it's a deep one. It's so deep. We're (laughs) we're going deep. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just get into it. Let's go for it. (laughs) The episode opens with a voiceover from Mm -hmm. uh, Jessica Roach, which in the episode, it's not actually apparent who exactly is talking I mean, no. it's definitely a victim of Larry Hall, but it we don't know which one. No. It's not really determined until the, towards the end. Right. That, that it's her. But we know we know the voice. We knew it was mm-hmm. Jessica Rose when yeah. we were watching it. <laughs> but it opens with her doing this narration, um, talking about her grandmother's funeral that she went to when she was a kid. And she said that her grandmother's death didn't mean much to her since she didn't really know her so um, immediately the episode opens with a death yes and the meaning of someone's death and obviously through this episode we are meant to be taking away from it that jessica roach and her death is central to the entire story Mm -hmm. and it it matters even though you know jimmy Keene never knew jessica roach and right and we don't know jessica roach yeah she's not like a, a pivotal character affecting the story at this time yeah but it kind of brings us to like, this mm-hmm. is the reason that this story is important is because of the victims. Right. And it's just, yeah, it was an interesting way to open it. I mean, kind of mentioned like to live your life type of a thing. I think she even mentions like she has a quote about living. So that kind of, I think, theme plays through her arc in that episode. Yeah, it was a very, a very uh, interesting vibe to start the episode mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And then we have this very interesting sequence of Jimmy walking through the prison. Yeah, from his cell. Being escorted. With- yeah, he has guards in front and behind him. Mm-hmm. And they walk him like like through the whole prison, through the cafeteria, yeah. through the yard. And the whole time, all of the inmates, every single person turns and looks directly at him. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's not slow motion, but it's like slower. And the music yeah, is... It's like halftime, maybe. 
Yeah. And the music is like intense. I He comes out of the cell very – it's intimidating because he's kind of got that swag when he walks out. Yeah, but kind of loses it a little bit as he's yep. walking through because he's seeing all these people just staring at him. And mm-hmm. it's it's so interesting because it's almost as if it's in his head completely yes. because once he gets to the yard, there's like an immediate flip. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a hard cut and then no one's actually really yeah. looking at him. In like a 90s sitcom, it would have been like the like the right, like, record player stop. It's not true. It's a, It's in your head. It was very intense that scene that because it made my heart beat because you you didn't know like did something happen that we didn't know yet yeah like is this in the future or something yeah. or that was my original theory I I watched it twice and my original theory was that this was something that we were gonna see in episode six and it was predicting yes. something but then when I watched it again I realized that it was mostly just something in Jimmy's head and also indicative of what Mr. Carter is seen doing later. Yeah. And I also think it kind of gives that impression, and I don't know if this is the what they were aiming for, but that everyone's kind of questioning Jimmy, Mm -hmm. his motive basically. And that kind of that little nugget is dropped throughout by different characters that people are starting to figure out. Yeah, the doctor, Larry, and then the older man that they he plays bocce ball with. Oh yeah, Gigante, the chin. Yes, I just call him Marco from Once Upon a Time. Yes, um, but <laughs> they all kind of start questioning him, mm-hmm. or are not a hundred percent certain he is who he says he is. Right. So I, maybe that is playing into Jimmy's head. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, and it when it flips, he ends up going into the doctor's office, but there's mm-hmm. someone in the hallway who does look directly at him in a way that's like, oh, maybe it's not all in his head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe people are being suspicious of him. Yeah. Like, why are you befriending Larry? Yeah. Of all the people. Right. But he ends up in Dr. Zickerman's office, Mm -hmm. but there's no Dr. Zickerman in here. No. Dr. Z is on vacation. Larry's doctor is in his place. At his desk, though, it is still yes. Doctor Zickerman's office. Yes, it was. That was kind of <laughs> weird, and I, I don't know if that was done. Like Larry's doctor was did this purposely to try to figure out what was going on, because obviously she doesn't know what uh, Jimmy's purpose is. Mm-hmm. It's like she's starting to question why he would befriend Larry. Yeah. So I don't know if she told the doctor to take the day off, or <laughs> yeah, if it's some um, like something shady happening and i feel like uh jimmy kind of thought that too yeah maybe the way he was answering her questions yeah yeah so jimmy tries to sort of suss out if the doctor knows anything about his yeah. real situation he's kind of pushing her and but she's like no your name was on the schedule and i'm just mm-hmm. taking over for zickerman while he's gone you know she's pretty casual about that yeah but then they have this exchange where she asks if Jimmy is a threat to the mental health of any of her patients. Mm-hmm. And we know that Larry Hall is one of her patients, right? right? So yeah. they have this like back and forth where they ask each other why they're here. And then J- Jimmy asks why, why is she here? And she's right. here to treat mental illness. And she's very adamant that the reason that they're in prison is not affecting her relationship with them as right. a patient. Right. She's worried about Larry's mental health here. Yeah. Um, they never actually explicitly say it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and she's not worried about Jimmy's mental health. No. Not, <laughs> she's not like, in the least. Fine. Yeah, you're you're okay. <laughs> also noticed Jimmy's voice, and I don't know if it's just the way he was speaking, but uh, it seemed much deeper. It did. And like gruff. And kind of quieter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more of like a, not a whisper, but just like a deeper octave. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like is. an intimidation thing or yeah, or if he because he was a little nervous that he tried to play more tough mm-hmm. than what he normally is. Yeah, this doctor clearly does not get a good impression of Jimmy though, no. as no. when she talks to Larry later, we hear about that. But she's yeah, she's definitely worried that Jimmy's friendship with Larry is affecting him yes. in a negative way. Um, I t- I did I noticed that she closes the folder in front of her like i'm assuming jimmy's case file in front of her and her glasses are in the folder and she just closes them in there and like moves them aside like oh does she know her glasses are in there that was (laughs) interesting (laughs) and at yeah at the end of that exchange she just kind of storms out and yeah they never are actually straightforward with each other no and that i i thought when she was leaving that she'd leave and jimmy's doctor would actually come in at that point so I, it was just very abrupt that she just got up and walked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it feels like they they just kind of left that open ended. Yeah, you, you know, in the book, I don't know how much I want to talk about this before episode six, but in the book, Jimmy's doctor does go on vacation. Yes, at a very inopportune time. <laughs> yes, and that I think that is leading to the big yeah finale in episode six. Yeah. I guess I won't get too specific, just to not spoil it. In just case. in case you didn't read the book, it's a thing. The doctor yes. going on vacation—it's a very—it's a pivotal moment. And yes, I'm curious if it's in episode six. Yeah, but then Jessica Roach mm-hmm. comes in again, and she's talking about the time that she got to go to the ocean with her family, mm-hmm. and the way that this is filmed. There's like a very warm loving feeling Mm -hmm. over it and there's kind of a little bit of darkness i feel like too kind of through it um and all all of these flashback scenes with jessica are framed by like a white like a glow effect yeah Yeah, like at the beginning it's like it starts white and fades in Mm -hmm. and then it fades out to white yeah almost like an angelic yeah touch to it i have a note that um the beach scenes specifically but a lot of jessica's scenes are so beautifully lit shout out to natalie yeah um (laughs) that they just are they had this glow about them and kind of almost wholesome feel to it yeah especially the beach scene was very just angelic and golden and yeah it's it's just really beautifully highlighting these happy moments Mm -hmm. in this girl's life and i like too that the camera was very low in the sand for most of it so it felt like you were sitting on the beach blankets. Just hanging out. With the family and you, that you were a part. I have this note several times throughout this this specific episode <laughs> that the, the way the camera is sitting, it makes you feel like you're just sitting right there. Yeah. So it made you feel like you were a part of everything. Like so you and I would assume this makes you feel all of the emotion throughout the scenes so much more because you felt like you were a part of it as opposed to being up above looking in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's there was my my nerd out for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh Greg Kinnear and Sebi Moafi are back. Yes. They're back. <laughs> we missed them in the last episode. Yeah. I really did miss them. I was Yeah, and I liked their 
<laughs> scenes this week. Yeah, they had some good moments, right? Good, like buddy cop. Yeah, they're getting they're getting along. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macaulay does her best Larry Hall impression in this scene. So good, it's very good. I think I buried her here. No, it was here. Maybe it was there. No, I think I buried her under a tree. It took me a minute when I heard it. I was like, who is talking? <laughs> is that Larry Hall talking right now? I thought it was a recording. <laughs> it's very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miller and Macaulay, they think they know where Trisha Reitler's body might be. Mm-hmm. They're looking at maps and Miller says that this is where Larry took the cops out multiple times. Yep. So they go out driving around. Mm-hmm. Macaulay's driving and Miller's navigating with his paper map and his notes. Yes. <laughs> very 90s. Very. In a, in a bunch of cornfields. I don't know how you would ever figure out where to turn. Yeah. I'm not a map reader, so I don't know. Yeah, I would just wait for Siri. And at one point he even says, like, turn at the lake. <laughs> and I'm like, you're in the middle of cornfields. Where's the lake? <laughs> I think he said lake. He either said lake or light. I don't know. But it sounded like I he said lake. I don't think there's lights out there, though. No. There's barely a gas station. Neither one made sense. But <laughs> I was like, lake? <laughs> but I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess there could have been a lake further up. Maybe. But they do take note of a gas station that mm-hmm. they pass by. I have a fun fact about that gas station. If you live in the South, that gas station was probably a Valero gas station based on the color because Valeros <laughs> are huge in the South. And so they just put the sign over top, <laughs> the easy gas or whatever it was. But the color scheme and the way it looked, that looked exactly like a Valero gas station. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it looked like one. Maybe it's modeled after it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be back at that gas station. But yes. first, we have a Terran hair watch. That mirror shot in the cell while he's brushing his teeth? Yes. Is that the Yeah. Yeah. When uh-huh. he wakes up in the morning, he's brushing uh-huh. his teeth. He goes and talks to Larry. But he, you know, he has his morning hair. That's pretty much it. It's it's messy. It's yes. not slicked back. No. He hasn't done anything to his appearance. Yes. He's just brushed his teeth. He actually looked sleepy. Like he had just woken up. Like his face still kind of looked puffy. Yeah. His hair was disheveled. He still kind of looked like he just rolled out he of had bed. The, the sleepy eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he, you know, it was actually early morning or late at night. So he genuinely looked tired or if they just did that with makeup. <laughs> yeah. But he did look it. He looks sleepy, sleepy boy. Um, mm-hmm. But Larry does not look sleepy. Jimmy sees no. Larry. He's very alert. He's alert, and his hair is very interesting. Like this, mm-hmm. this is a Larry hair watch. Yes. His hair is like parted in the middle, and it's combed, and it's like mm-hmm. laying flat against yeah. his forehead, like almost slicked. Yeah, very neat. I don't know what that's about. That was a, an no. interesting Larry look there. And there, <laughs> I took a bunch of silly notes. <laughs> But Taryn's arms, I just wrote. <laughs> yeah. I have his arms, his hair, he's sleepy. <laughs> uh, his, yeah, he's got, ma- he's got massive arms and just wearing this wife beater tank top. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have his like full jumpsuit on. But they're sitting at a table right outside their cells. And Jimmy's smile, he puts on this huge happy smile. Yeah. Like he's so happy to see this guy. You know, at this point in the show, we're, we are five episodes in, something huge happens every time there's a Larry-Jimmy conversation. 
Yes. Every time they're talking, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting yes. for some crazy stuff to come out of Larry's Somebody mouth. to get shanked or something. <laughs> some, something's <laughs> going to happen. There's going to be another riot or just Larry's going to say some buck wild thing about yeah. women. And and he does in this one. <laughs> yeah. They make small talk. Larry tells Jimmy about seeing Gary and he t- he says that Gary married a stinky bitch. Yes. Jimmy's uh, face when they- he says that is kind of like, okay. Oh, <laughs> all right. She thinks the Civil War reenactment thing is silly. Silly. They're just playing dress up. Dress up. But this very smoothly goes into a conversation about the age of consent. Yes. For women and how in the Civil War times, women married much younger back then. Yeah. Because he tells Gary's wife she would be an old hag in Civil yes. War days. Yes. She would be old. No one would want her. And he he brings up his great-grandmother, I think he said. Had his grandmother at 14. <laughs> yeah, there's also this tangent that he goes on about, it's like conspiracy theory level. Where yes. he's talking about how the government invented high schools to, <laughs> to make, make money. money. <laughs> but it was kind of one of those like conspiracy theories where you're like, is that true? Right. Is that what happened? <laughs> like, kind of sounds true. <laughs> don't believe Larry Hall's conspiracy theories. <laughs> he kind of got me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't take away from this show that yeah. <laughs> Larry Hall is <laughs> right about anything. <laughs> In the matter of, like, 30 seconds, you get a, like, history lesson about, you know, revolutionary times. And then this conspiracy theory, you're like, wow. All right. <laughs> oh, interesting. And Jimmy's all in. He's like, mm-hmm. dang, you're right. <laughs> That's a very interesting thought. I noticed um, that I wrote down that when Jimmy says that, that you know, you're know you on to something, Larry seems caught off guard to be complimented. Like, Yeah. He was like, oh, that, yeah, okay. That's interesting. But yeah, J- I mean, that's what Jimmy's trying to do. He's trying to pump up Larry's ego and mm-hmm. to get him to talk. Yeah. You know, Larry's expression, I, I can't get over Paul Walter Hauser and Taryn Edgerton, their performances. Ugh, this episode alone, this is their Emmy submission. It, yeah, I think so too. This whole episode. Yeah, because like when, when Larry's talking about this stuff that he's passionate about and that he mm-hmm. knows a lot about and he knows that he knows what he's talking about, his eyes are lit up and yeah. he's talking fast and confident. Yeah. And, you know, other times his eyes are narrow and he's like looking mm-hmm. off in the distance, talking slowly, seeming kind of sluggish. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a kind of a turn. Yeah. Very interesting. So that's the first of uh, of a couple of huge Jimmy and Larry scenes. That, co- that conversation ends with uh, a wink. There's a good wink there. I want that tattooed on my eyelids. <laughs> when I close my eyes, I see it. I don't know if it's the dimple, if it's the eye crinkles, if it's I don't know, but it's I just a good wink. I needed the little brightness after that conversation, though. Yeah, <laughs> and after the wink, it's a great wink. Yes, Jimmy's sitting at the table and he's kind of digesting what he just yes. talked about with Larry. He's like, oh. This guy's really into talking about young girls and mm-hmm. maybe this is why he loves Civil War times so much. Right. Yeah. And he's just kind of soaking it in. Yeah. But yeah, back to Miller and Macaulay. <laughs> they pay a visit to this gas station that they passed by. Mm-hmm. They figure out where the closest person who works on cars 
would be. Yeah. And the attendant tells him about this man, John Dickey, who runs a bait shop mm-hmm. and he works on cars kind of on the side. Yeah. And then they also learn from the gas station manager that when the gas station was built the summer of 93, which, which is the summer that that was around when happened. Trisha Reitler mm-hmm. disappeared. And I think Jessica Roach was after that. Yeah. Jessica, yeah. Actually, I know exactly when Jessica Roach disappeared because it was my birthday in 1993. <laughs> so that stuck in my head. <laughs> September 20th. If you guys want to get me a present. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, September 20th, 1993 was when Jessica Roach first uh, was reported missing. But yeah, summer 93 is also when Trisha Reitler disappeared. Yes. So it's assumed then that Trisha's body is underneath the gas station. Yeah, that's kind of inferred there. Yeah. And there's a good... Greg Kinnear line here. Mm-hmm. Fucking Larry Hall. Yep. <laughs> That's good. Give Greg Kinnear all the lines. He can just say yeah. all the lines in this show. He doesn't have a ton of dialogue, but the stuff he does say is so good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I've, I'm kind of a Greg Kinnear fangirl too, so that yeah. like, every time he says something, I'm like, perfect. I feel like everybody on this show just... Anytime they're on the screen, I'm like, oh, they're so good. They're so good. They're so good. Yeah, I've I've become a huge fan of the whole cast. Yeah, all of them. I can't wait to follow their all of their careers, mm-hmm. both in front of and behind the cameras. Yep, definitely. I mean, Natalie Kingston. We're we're gonna start Natalie Kingston fan club too. Yep. We're gonna be busy. We're gonna have a lot of fan <laughs> <are>. clubs. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but yeah, so back in prison, uh, Vincent Gigante. Yes. And Jimmy are playing bocce in the yard. They are talking about how Jimmy tried to get drugs into the prison Mm -hmm. and it didn't work out. And it's kind of inferred here by Gigante that uh, Mr. Carter ended up going to him for help. Yes. As like a a last resort type of thing. So, uh, yeah, here's our our CO CO Carter watch. Yeah. I have Joe sighting. (laughs) I wish I had a stinger or like some audio clip that I could yeah. play for her watches. <laughs> it's kind of late now. We're at episode five of six, but yeah, just like a little like, ding, 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 ding. it's a CEO Carter watch. The trumpet. <laughs> Taryn here watch. Taryn yeah. here watch. If I had the forethought, I would have come up with some goofy little audio sting there. But <laughs> yeah, it's a CEO Carter watch. I love the stance that he has. Yes. He's like the hands on the hips and like. Just like a classic cop mm-hmm. stance. I uh, have a note that said, I wonder, this was just me wondering, being curious, if Taryn has ever played bocce before because he looked like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And the one shot that you see of Taryn, like him. Like actually rolling it. Yeah. It, it looks like a good shot. I, I yeah. don't actually know how to play bocce. I've played Neither it. Maybe- I've never, I think I played it like ironically, like, you know, when you're a kid and you just kind of. You just kind of play all the lawn games. Yeah. (laughs) My family was more of the, we call it cornhole. Oh, yes. Cornhole and uh, lawn darts were my family games. We didn't play bocce ball. I'm trying to, I I think I've played bocce when I was a kid. Maybe. I know I played croquet. Like the, like a, it was like a cheap plastic croquet set. Yeah. That we played in the yard. I was, I just wondered if he had played because he looked like he had good form. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he had a bocce coach. Maybe. We'll have to ask him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we have time and we could get him on. Exactly. If we have time. I also have the quote, a shrug is a non-answer and a non-answer is disrespectful. Yeah. I liked that. But then Jimmy fully, sincerely apologizes. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I had no idea this is how it works. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, thank you for teaching me. <laughs> basically. Yes. 
And Gigante mm-hmm. is suspicious of Jimmy now. That nobody's ever met him. Uh, yeah, seen him face to face. He knows people who know people who knows yeah. Jimmy. He's like, I did I did some research into mm-hmm. you and you it comes out normal, seems fine, but no one has ever actually spoken or seen you. They've, you know, it's all word of mouth that he's mm-hmm. heard about Jimmy. He doesn't have any direct sources. So yeah, Gigante thinks something's up with Jimmy. Yeah. Everyone's getting suspicious of Jimmy. He's not getting away with what he thinks he's getting away with. Yeah. So I think he feels like he's got to start like being on top of it more. Mm-hmm. And then some more uh, Mr. Carter side eye mm-hmm. to Jimmy. <laughs> there's, there's so much of that. In episode is. four especially, there's a lot of them looking at each other. Yes. Just mm. And then there's, there's some Lovingly here. is not the right word, but not lovingly. <laughs> if you didn't know what was happening, it might seem a little romantic. Yes. It's but not. it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so... Larry is in with his doctor, yeah. and he's acting up. He's acting the fool in this doctor's this office. This scene got me too. Like it, it scared me. It is scary. The do- yeah. and the doctor's like noticing these differences mm-hmm. in Larry's behavior. He's feeling good and acting cocky. cocky. Yeah, and he God, he has some crazy lines that he yeah. says in this scene that and in like a weird voice and. Yeah. Not like the high-pitched growls. voice, but it's that deep. I was like, oh. Yeah, he growls at her. God, he's so good at this role. Oh, yeah. It's creepy. And he talks uh-huh. about her kids. Yes. And it, what they smell like. Like, yeah, absolutely I, not. No. I don't know how this doctor is putting up with this. This is insane. And she seems unfazed. Like, I know yeah. that's her job. but And it, yeah, she's heard this from him before. Yes, because she says, I've answered this question before. Yeah. She knows that he's asked this, but still, I'm like, oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, and the only thing that is different about this interaction with her, to her, is that he's feeling cocky. Mm-hmm. It's beyond the just the confidence of he has when he's doing the talk of the reenactments or yeah. cleaning or cars. Yeah, it's more. It's so funny. When, when I was watching this with my brother, when the doctor mentions the word cocky, my brother turned to me and he says, cocky people make mistakes, which is, you know, a line from what episode, I think episode yeah. two, when the U.S. Marshal tells yes. Jimmy to not be cocky, you know, yes, don't. Because they make mistakes. Stay scared. Cocky people yeah. make mistakes. Well, I was scared. So. I, yeah. I was scared too. <laughs> and Larry's happy. And mm-hmm. the doctor is like, is this because of your friend? Is this mm-hmm. what's making you act like this? And Larry, he doesn't say yes, but he is very happy about his relationship with Jimmy. And he says that he's not alone anymore. Yes. And he kind of gives the impression that – because the doctor says that uh, Jimmy lives without regret kind of type of a feel. And Larry's like, no, he does have regret. He does have pain. He's been through a lot. Yeah. So like he can relate to him and they can be buddies together. Yeah, and yeah, it, it kind of is um it's like Larry wants to put forth this view that he knows his friend. He's like, "No, mm-hmm. you don't know him like I do." Right. Kind yeah. of. He may seem like that, but I re- I know the real Jimmy. Mhm. So m- back to Miller and Macaulay for a minute. Yes. They go and meet this bait shop owner who knows mm-hmm. Larry. 
I was digging the vibes of this guy. <laughs> knitting. <laughs> he walked up and he's knitting this long scarf. He doesn't even look up at them. No. No. <laughs> he finally does look up and he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> so yeah. just smiley and nice. And I don't know, really small town friendly with them. Mm-hmm. But then when they ask about Larry, he's, yeah. he says like, oh, he's he's a. Oh, he's creepy as all fuck, is what he yeah. said. I'm like, well, yeah. Especially because that last scene. Yeah. And I really love that Macaulay, he, he apologizes for yes. cursing in front of a woman. And she's like, no, please. Like, Speak freely. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I also had that he's he seemed like a bit shady at a point. Yeah. Like, his, there was something, something off about his smile. Not, yeah. Not completely innocent. It's like he knew more than he was letting on at that point. Yeah, I think so, too. There was something... I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to put that in everyone who yeah. is in the show. They're like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know maybe if this guy's there's involved. more people involved in this whole thing and throwing some red herrings at us. Yeah. With a literal red scarf. Yes. Red Ooh. flag. <laughs> oh, good symbolism. 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 Could be nothing, though. Could be nothing. <laughs> oh, there was another good line this guy had that said that Larry had the look of someone who had never been hugged. Even as a baby. I mean, that's kind of true. Fair. Yeah. The guy tells Miller and Macaulay that Larry, he sold them some car parts. Mm -hmm. And then Larry started hanging around even when he wasn't looking for car parts and talked to the young girls in the area. And they had to run him off sometimes because he would make the girls uncomfortable. Yeah. He tells them about his daughter and how his daughter has Mm -hmm. directly interacted with Larry. So they're going to they're going to wait around. And talk to her. Um, there, there's a couple of Jessica Roach moments in here. Yes. There's the part where there's a cute boy who says that mm-hmm. she was nice. And then she's talking about these new sneakers that her and yes. her sister got. And they put them on and then immediately went out into the field and stepped mm-hmm. in cow pies. So they're yes. washing, washing their shoes in the lake. Yes. And it's just another like fun, happy yeah. moment. Her and Levity. her sister. Yeah. And I like how they interspliced them into the heavier moments mm-hmm. to kind of take you out of that moment to feel something good. Yeah. It was very smooth transitions, but it made you feel like, okay, I can breathe right now. Right. Here's this just nice young girl who's living life. But there is this air of like, oh, this is a victim of Larry Hall yes. that we're hearing Yeah, there's about like too. a dark cloud over it. But it still feels lighter than everything else. Right. So back in prison, Mm -hmm. Jimmy tries to make a phone call. Yes. And it's not working out for him. He keeps dialing his account number and it's Mm -hmm. not going through. They're they're zooming in on the numbers and he's definitely dialing Dr. Z's number. Yes. I keep calling him Dr. Z like I know him. Um, (laughs) Dr. Zickerman. Dr. Zickerman. Yes. I also noticed he's using his thumb to dial, and I don't know anybody that does that. At least I don't. But uh, my sister's mentioned that maybe it was a blocking shot so that you could see the numbers. Because if you use your hand, like your pointer finger, you would your fists would block the numbers, and because you're trying to see oh, that yeah. it was the therapist's yeah number, I was like, oh, maybe that is. So your fist is down, and you're dialing it. As opposed yeah, that to makes sense. Because you, you definitely, I I did clock the first time that yeah. he dialed the six one two five seven one one, 
And he's dialing his account number in between there, yes. too. So there's other numbers that he's punching in. But he's trying to call his doctor. Because I feel like he's he's getting to a point where he's like, okay, this he's starting to confess. What do I do? Yeah. Like he's panic dialing. So that's that's setting up a huge thing that's mm-hmm. going to happen in episode six. Yes. For sure. Oh, his for phone's sure. not working. And there's this moment where this big bald guy behind him is like getting impatient and mm-hmm. uh, they get in each other's face a little bit. But Jimmy just walks away and yes, ends up in the yard mm-hmm. with this fucking guy, Mr. Yes. Carter. And his hair looks super dark in this scene, by the way. Does it? <laughs> yes, I, just, I, I wrote I, I wrote it down. I said, hair looks really dark outside. <laughs> this hair thing is going to drive us so crazy. <laughs> I mean, it is. It has been for all year. Yes. <laughs> Over a year. But fucking Mr. Carter, man. Yes. He, this guy is just walking around the yard telling different groups of prisoners that Jimmy's a snitch. <laughs> just flat out. Yes. He leans in. He's got this impeccable stance where he's got his foot up on the yes. bench and he's leaning over. He points directly at Jimmy and says, yes. that guy is a snitch. Flat out. Yep. <laughs> That's what he says. And then he goes and he sits with Gigante and he does the same thing. He's like, yep, that guy. He like nods his head towards Jimmy. That guy's a snitch. <laughs> this guy's going to ruin everything. <laughs> yes. And maybe that's why everybody was looking at him when he was walking in the beginning of the episode. Right. Maybe because he's real. Because Carter's this guy's telling, telling everyone Jimmy's a snitch and he owes me $10,000. <laughs> sort of. Which isn't. It's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. I, I'm so I'm excited and nervous about how that is going to be tied into the yeah. last episode. Yeah. Next, oh, next week is going to be rough. Mr. Carter, man. We love to hate him. Yeah. We're still your number one fan. Yes. <laughs> Joe Williamson <laughs> is the opposite of Mr. Carter. Yes. He's the sweetest guy ever. Very nice. Would never bribe you for $10,000. No. <laughs> anyway. Yes. We digress. <laughs> um, Joe Williamson, our friend of the show. <laughs> uh, Ray Liotta's back. We missed him in yes. the last episode, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's back. We see him on the phone with this phone company. He's trying to get a hold of Jimmy, and it's not working, and they won't... He's trying to pay. Yeah, they won't take his payment over the phone, and he gets really worked up and ends up getting in his truck and going for a drive. Mm-hmm. Which made me nervous, but... Mm-hmm. Driving is a thing that I find pretty therapeutic, actually. If I need to like oh, decompress, yeah, sure. going out for a drive feels good. Mm-hmm. But it made me nervous the way the music was going. And yeah. I was like, I don't know how they're going to play this. And if someone has had a stroke, it makes me very nervous shouldn't be driving. to let them drive on their own, you know? Yes. Especially to go get alcohol. Yeah. I just feel like that was a little... Which it seems like he <laughs> would... get the Kahlua. When she asks for it, he's like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, we yeah. don't have money to even call Jimmy right now. I'm not going to buy right. you Kahlua. <laughs> but, uh... oh, man. So after this yeah. is it's it's the scene. It gets you tough. Know, it's a it's here it is, you know. Jimmy uh goes and finds Larry in the wood shop. In the wood shop. And they're sitting at a table together and Larry's carving these uh little bird figurines. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, my notes are very uh just bullet points at this point because I, I had a hard time writing stuff down because I was so into the scene it's, and because it was so deep and heavy that it was hard for me to to put it down into words. Yeah. <laughs> this one gets rough. 
Mm-hmm. At first, Jimmy is telling Larry this kind of fudged up story that there was a guard that was talking to him and told mm-hmm. him that Larry's a kid killer and a kid killer. Yeah. And cue Larry's creepy serial killer laugh mm-hmm. again. Yeah. In this scene and in the last time that Jimmy and Larry were talking, it's as if Larry is justifying his interest in young girls because of this Civil War history stuff. Yes. He's like, it was fine in the 1800s, so it's fine for me now. Right. He even is, you know, he looks the part. He's like, I am basically in the 1800s with my burned sides. So, Like that's his excuse for doing it. Yeah. Because... He's reenacting. Yeah, they weren't considered time. children back then, so this is right. what I'm doing. It's okay. Um, but then Larry asks Jimmy how many women that he's had sex with, mm-hmm. and Jimmy says eighty, mm-hmm. which is just a number that he pulled. You know, it's not an yeah. accurate number. He's like, maybe you know, it could be give or take <laughs> one or two. Yeah, and Larry's like, how? Yeah, he wants no to know wants to talk. how that happens because Larry can't get women. No. no one no older but nobody women, wants to talk to him yeah they he only younger girls are mm-hmm. who interacts with him at all this is when larry starts talking about jessica roach mm-hmm. the entire sort of event he offers her a ride because her bike tire was flat he says mm-hmm. that jessica liked talking to him at first that she mm-hmm. was nice she was laughing yeah and then like took a turn she flipped a switch. She like, what did he say? Like a rabid squirrel. Yeah, with like a, a little weird hand motion, hand movement. Yeah, <laughs> the people listening can't see us doing our. <laughs> so hand yeah, motion. we're both doing it. <laughs> he did the little, you know, what we're doing right now that you can't see. <laughs> and th- this is this scene is when my heart first skipped. I think. Yeah. Or this part of it, because mm-hmm. the the music stops. There's like music mm-hmm. playing over it, and then it stops. And there's these really close close up shots of both of their faces going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Because Jimmy asks why he thinks Jessica turned. Yeah, and Larry says, "Why do you ask?" And so it's like, yeah. oh, Larry's questioning why Jimmy's yeah. questioning mm-hmm. so much again, and it's so quiet. But you can see the pain in Jimmy's eyes when he asks that. Like, I don't want to know yeah. the rest of this story, but I, I need to know the rest of this story for what I'm doing. Yeah. But you can see the almost like torture in his eyes. Yeah. And it, it feels like the whole – the show and everyone is just holding their breath right here. Mm-hmm. Like something's going to happen or – I don't know. Phys- like I felt like I couldn't breathe at that second. Yeah, um, but and because of the way the camera was, you felt like you were sitting in between them almost at the like sitting on the table yeah. because it was so close. Yeah. So you felt like you were in that space, and so I think it, it amplified that. Yeah, it was a feeling. It was a crazy, crazy moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, when the music starts again, they are panned out, and it's like mm-hmm. a, a wide shot of them sitting at this table. Yes. It starts this super slow zoom shot. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really far away and then it slowly creeps in on them as Larry is telling Jimmy more about it. And yeah, um, 
yeah, it's, it's intense. And you're like, you know, you're mm-hmm. far back and then the camera's panning in and you're kind of leaning in. Larry is telling Jimmy that Jessica got in his van and according to Larry, the interaction was still very pleasant at that point. Mm-hmm. Jessica was curious and asking, he was talking highly of her. She was asking smart questions, right. um, being curious, but then Larry kissed her. She turned. Yeah. And that's when she turned. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jessica started fighting against him. Mm-hmm. And uh, just horrifically yeah. describing the ways of knocking her out. And yeah, that was. Um, and then he, like she scratched him, I think he said. Yes. And she, he said she had a lot of me under her nails. Yeah. And the fact that he knew to clean her nails out so that there'd be none of his DNA around her shows how calculated it was. Like, it wasn't just like a oops. Yeah, definitely wasn't off the cuff. I mean, the fact that he had starter fluid and a rag ready to go in the first place, too. It was definitely something he was planning on doing. Yeah. God, it was hard to listen to all of this. and It was. He did end up saying he doesn't call it rape, but it is what it is because she was unconscious. Yes. Jimmy even asks and he says no. Yeah. He says that he sort of blacked out and then when he came to, both of their clothes were off. Yeah. He said he was like above what was happening. He was having an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And he would just see himself beating her, and mm-hmm. it was hard. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how they acted through that. I mean, I know that's the whole point. It's just words on a page when you're an actor, but to be in that headspace to do this scene, I, I don't know that I could have done that over and over again. Yeah. And Larry goes on to describe exactly how he killed Jessica after that, mm-hmm. and there's this, like, there's a view of Larry's van in the cornfield, so mm-hmm. like where this is all taking place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Taryn's face Ugh. in this scene. Uh, I mean, you could feel the pain. Yeah, it, he's trying so hard to stay friendly, and but mm-hmm. he's got almost got tears in his eyes, like he's yeah. holding back all these emotions, and he's like biting his. I'm biting his lips or his cheek, try to keep him like from saying anything or showing any reaction whatsoever. Yeah, and really trying it, it hard was... to stay positive. Like, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. that seems yeah. normal. That's right. You you did what you had to do. Yeah. Oh god, it's so hard. And you can hear the emotion in his voice when he even says, "Sounds like you had to do what you needed to do," or what, however he says it. Yeah. 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 It was the pain. I I have it like three times in my notes, like ugh, his eyes. His eyes. His yeah. Just holding it holding it all in, being a friend to this terrible person yeah. who is describing in such great detail these yeah. ridiculously horrifying things. Mm-hmm. I liked that like I had said earlier, I think um, how they chose to do this because they could have very easily shown flashes of it happening to you know hit the point a little bit. And I know there's movies and shows that do that, 
but I liked that they kept it as dialogue because it was more impactful, I think. Yeah, I think so um, too. To have him describe it. And it didn't dehumanize Jessica. Like it didn't turn her into just a, a body at that point. Yeah. It kept her as the person she was. It hit a lot harder, I think, watching these two guys talk it through. Yeah. Because you could feel the pain of Jimmy and you can feel the, I don't even know what you would describe Larry at that point. I I don't even know. I don't know either. It's, yeah. Yeah. It was rough. I mean, yeah, yeah, that scene turns your emotions on. Mm Mm-hmm. The next part is when Miller and Macaulay go and meet mm-hmm. Audrey, the daughter of the man yes. who runs the bait shop, who's played by Carson Leota, <laughs> who is Ray Leota's yeah. daughter. His daughter. I like that she was in it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that she was in it until this episode. No, neither did I. It was nice that there was that little she has that piece of it. Too. Yeah. Like she did something cool. with her dad. And she did a great job in her role for sure. She did. Um, she is talking to them about how she's interacted with Larry before, how everyone's creeped out mm-hmm. by him. He would try and get girls to come to his van. Mm-hmm. He would also give her gifts. He, she described these gifts yes. that he gave her. Like a bracelet, earrings. Shoes. Yeah, that were her size, which is kind of creepy. Very creepy. Used shoes. Yeah, used shoes, but they were her size. And then she shows them a gift that she Mm-hmm. didn't get rid of she got rid of all the other gifts but there was one yes. that she didn't she takes them to this like shed and we see jessica roach's bike mm-hmm. um and the music that starts playing here when you see the bike for the first time is like this theme that is playing during all the mm-hmm. jessica roach scenes yes so it's very clear like <laughs> yeah. this is jessica's bike and she said she felt dirty every time she saw it. Yeah, she needs to take a shower every time she looks mm-hmm. at it. But then, yeah, so it cuts to Jessica's family giving her this bike for the first time. There's this beautiful shot of her riding the bike mm-hmm. with, like, the sunlight behind her. It's a really beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. In the cornfield. And that's when this very special line. You can die, but you can't unlive. I lived. It's beautiful. It's a really yes. beautiful sort of conclusion to mm-hmm. Jessica's story in this episode. Yeah. Which we're also going to see Jessica in episode six. Yes. But. But it was a nice little way to kind of end the story. Yeah. Like she lived and this is yes. who she was. Right. She did all of these things and she felt all of these amazing feelings and she got to experience life. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was really well done. So Miller and Macaulay bring the evidence of this bike Mm -hmm. back to Beaumont, who we haven't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. No. And Beaumont tells them it's not enough. This isn't going to help with the case. It's not enough. They need more. They need Jimmy. They need this confession. That's really what it is. They don't explicitly say that, but they need help. Good job, but it's not enough. Yeah. And then we cut back to Big Jim, and he's Mm -hmm. sitting outside the prison with just this heartbreaking face. This is when I started crying. Big Jim Mm -hmm. is just sitting outside the prison, and he's about to cry. 
Yeah, he's got tears like welling into his eyes. Yeah, that got me. I mean, I mean, dad mm-hmm. stuff is always going to get me. Yeah. So that <laughs> my waterworks started then. <laughs> And then we're back in the prison and Jimmy and Larry, first when they're walking back to their cells, they're like walking down the stairs and mm-hmm. Larry looks back at Jimmy and Jimmy puts on this huge smile. I have that in my notes. Yeah. Like that little smile, like, yep, we're all good. Yeah. But then when Larry looks away, his face instantly changes. Mm-hmm. It's like this sick feeling that he has. Gut wrench. Yeah. And then there's that last little scene. <sighs> like stab. The one that broke everyone. (laughs) Everyone I've talked to about this scene, like I'm already crying at this point, and then and then this happens, and so I'm like sobbing with Jimmy. I don't think I breathed. Oh my gosh! (laughs) To be honest, I was like, yeah, just because I was trying to be quiet too, because you know I was in the scene. I felt like and just like shaking, heaving sobs (sighs) from Jimmy, like and then like holding his mouth so that. Larry doesn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't answer him, and Larry just thinks oh, he's asleep. Good night. Yeah. God. Like we didn't just have that conversation. Yeah, everything's normal for Ugh, Larry. I don't. I don't even want to know how Taryn got through that. Right. Because that that has. I mean, when you cry over an emotional thing, it wrecks you. Yeah. So to do it in a scene like that, where you have to, and for a long time. That was a long shot. Yeah. They they are slowly, they kind of pan into mm-hmm. his cell and like zoom in on him. And then when the credits start rolling, he's still yeah, you hear sobbing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't, <sighs> yeah. I, if we have time, I would love to ask him that. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> but like, ugh, it just breaks your heart. Yeah, the whole last like, bit of this. The, the scene and the, yeah, the last, the conversation with Larry and this scene, he, I mean, he just shows what a phenomenal actor he is because you saw it in Rocket Man where he could switch on and off, but this, oh God. Yeah. So good. And Paul, I mean, I don't even, <laughs> just can't. I don't even know. Like the fact that he can play such a character like that. And play it so well. And you know that's not him, obviously. Yeah. Like, he's not that kind of guy from what I've heard. <laughs> I don't but think he's murdered. I, I don't think so. <laughs> he seems like a very upbeat kind of guy. <laughs> but, oh, gosh, it's just – if they don't get a nomination, let alone win something, the two of them alone, but the show in general, mm-hmm. after that scene – Shower them with awards. BAFTAs, SAG Awards, give it all of them. Emmys, something. <laughs> Give them an Oscar. I know, I know it's not I know a they movie. Can't. <laughs> Give them an Oscar yeah. anyway. <laughs> Tara deserves an Oscar for Rocket yeah. Man. So just retroactively, you know, we'll just throw in the TV category real quick. <laughs> Gosh, I don't even know. There were no, no words. It was just so good. Yeah. Totally understand why this is Natalie Kingston's favorite episode. Yes. Um, I've heard from a lot of people that this is a lot mm-hmm. of people's favorite episode. Yeah. I think even Taryn mentioned that he... Enjoyed. I think so. Not enjoyed, but it, he liked the way it came out. It's really good. Really emotional. Mm-hmm. Just with Jessica Roach and Big Jim and then Jimmy mm-hmm. finally letting all this Larry stuff affect him. Yeah. And letting himself react to it finally because he's been holding back and putting on a mask and acting mm-hmm. like this guy's friend. So he's finally kind of letting it affect him, yeah. which is crazy. Ugh. So I think we need something to lighten the mood here. 
Um, yes. I think we need to we need to come out of this. Definitely. This has been a rough episode, so we're going to rewind a little bit. We're going to talk yes. a little bit more about episode four. Yes. Because we have a super awesome special guest that yeah, I'm uh, so excited, so excited. We have Cade, who plays young Yay. Larry. We love Cade. We're fans of Cade. Yes, I even mentioned it in our episode four. What an amazing actor he is for not having a whole lot of dialogue. He was he so good. Portrayed the emotion so well for being such a young actor, and I'm so lucky, so thankful that we got to talk to him. Yes. We're going to let Cade introduce himself, tell us about the audition process and getting cast in the role. And then he told us about some choices that he made in the audition that landed mm-hmm. him the part. So here's Cade. Hi, my name's Cade Trapiano, and I play young Larry Hall in Blackbird. When the audition for this role came in, we were actually in a hotel room on location for another project. Those auditions are always the toughest for me because you have to find a place to tape, make sure the lighting is right, and hope that the people on either side stay quiet. We taped the audition and sent it over and heard back really quick. Our agent called and said, they want to hold you on the audition you just did. And we thought it was from the prior week. They were like, no, the one from this morning. It was a little while before things were finalized, but we got a really quick response on the audition. My mom always tries to research the project and find out details that may help us with the audition. This one was hard because they were using the name Hans Bubby. I had a choice to make when I did the audition, whether to play it as a kid that went through what he did and rose above it, or whether it consumed him. I chose to play it as Larry was consumed by what he went through and let it turn him. I have not read the book. My mom wants to read it first, but she is waiting until after she sees all the episodes so it doesn't spoil anything. I I think it's um, because he is young. I think it's kind of cute that, you know, he didn't really know about obviously the story or kind of much about it before. Yeah. But the fact that he chose to play it as the, you know, character that was consumed by something that happened and without knowing anything about the story. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Like clearly the him. correct choice there. Yeah. Well, and got well. it that day. He got called back. Yeah. Amazing. We also asked Cade what his favorite part about filming was. So this is what he had to say. There were so many great things about filming Blackbird. Everything about this project, except the extreme heat and humidity was outstanding. I think the best part for me is the amazing people I met. From the other actors to the director, writer, the crew, every person I met was so kind and helpful. It was really a special project. That heat and humidity will get you every time. Right. I think that's a common theme from everyone that we've talked to. Yeah. (laughs) It was so great. Except it was was so hot. (laughs) Well, you picked Louisiana in the summertime. (laughs) That's on you. Uh, (laughs) It's not on the actors. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We asked Cade about uh, what it was like to film such a dark subject matter and filming the graveyard scene. My character was difficult because he was not someone that I could identify with on any level. But I love a challenge and I love to tell a story, so I was all in. I think the most difficult scene to film was the grave digging scene. It was so hot and I was in three layers of clothing, 
the mosquitoes were bad. It was a really long night, and we were in a graveyard. I found none of that appealing, but I am really proud with how the scene turned out. It was hard work, but it really paid off. We filmed the graveyard scene in parts. The first part, walking into the graveyard and digging up the grave, was filmed in the graveyard at night. There was a stunt coordinator that I worked with on jumping into the grave after it was dug out. That was cool. Then the coffin scene was filmed on a soundstage. The grave and coffin were actually on ground level with dirt walls built around it and a platform six feet above. The dirt walls could be moved depending on the filming angle. A big shout out to the dude that played the corpse. He had to lay there perfectly still in a coffin for hours on end. I don't think I could have played that role. I I mean, you have to draw a line somewhere, right? I think laying in a coffin is that line for me. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love him. So good. I found none of that appealing. (laughs) Well, who would? (laughs) Oh, I love him. Another fan club, right? Yes. Cade, you're so cool, Cade. Oh, I love it. Um, I thought that was a really cool fun fact that the inside yeah. of the grave was filmed above ground with dirt walls. Yeah. That was cool. Um, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, getting the right. filming angles because, you know, when we talked to Natalie about filming in right. prison cells, for instance, you know, one of the challenges that they had to work out was not being able to move mm-hmm. the walls around and, and get in for different angles. So, yeah, that was cool. And you would never know it was done. Yeah. Like that. Thanks, Cade, for that story. Yeah, so cool. And Cade also told us about some really special people that he got to meet yes. and work with on set. I cannot say enough great words about Paul Hauser and Taryn Egerton. I initially met Paul and we talked for a good while. He gave me some really great advice about acting and told me about when he first saw my audition. He said that Dennis Lehane sent him my audition and said, this is our guy. Wow, that really floored me. He complimented me on my performance and the work I was doing. It really meant a lot to me, as I think Paul is one of the best actors out there right now. I met Taryn a few days later. I have been a big fan of his work in Kingsman and Rocketman, so I was stoked to meet him. He's one of those people that just have this energy around them. I really don't know how to explain it. He just pulls you in with his personality. He, too, was very complimentary of the work I had been doing. They are both exceptional actors who I am just so honored to be associated with on this project. Behind the camera, I worked closely with Joe Chappelle, who was directing my episode. He was really amazing and kind. He really made sure that I was comfortable doing my scenes. He didn't push me into the character. He really just let me take it where it went. Good old Taryn Egerton. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that is awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I love that they got the opportunity to meet him, or he got the opportunity to meet them too, because they didn't have any scenes together. No. So it wouldn't have been weird if they didn't meet. But I, I'm glad that they both went out of their way to meet him, and yeah, because he is such a good little actor. He really is. I think he's he's gonna go places. This kid. Yeah, we'll we'll be watching. I think him. so. <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm in his fan club. Yeah, totally. So Cade has been in a few other acting projects already, um, including some voice acting roles. So mm-hmm. we asked him what he likes better, if he likes on screen <laughs> or voice acting better. So this is what he had to say with that. I like both on screen and voice acting for different reasons. With voice acting, you don't have to memorize lines for auditions or for taping. You have the script you can read from, so that makes it easier. But you are usually in a sound booth recording by yourself. With on-screen, you get to meet so many awesome people and go to really cool places. 
I hope to be able to continue to do both on-screen and voice acting. I love that he has done both because um, it takes two, like it's a to- two totally different types of acting and I that he's great in both. Yeah, totally. So you can hear him as the voice of the character of Bog in the Disney series Eureka. And here is Cade also talking about a future role to look out for him in. And one last final note that he has for the watchers of Blackbird and our listeners. I have a small role in George and Tammy, the story of George Jones and Tammy Wynette starring Jessica Chastain and Michael Shannon. I'm not sure when it is coming out. That is the only thing I can talk about right now. I try and share what I can on Instagram when I can. I just really appreciate you having me, and I want to tell everyone to go watch Blackbird again, because I'm sure everyone has already seen it, at least once. (laughs) Oh, I love him. Go watch it again. Thank you, Cade, for being on it, on the show with us. Heck yeah, Cade, you are so awesome. We are the ones that are lucky. We are so lucky that Cade uh, answered some of our questions. And Yes. Yeah, listen to the man. Go watch it again. Yes. How many times have you watched it? Five, six of one And make, make sure you uh, check out his future projects. Yes. Uh, in the upcoming limited series called George and Tammy. With Jessica Chastain and Michael Shannon. This kid is working with some huge movie yeah. stars. This is crazy. But yeah, thank you, Cade, for sharing all about thank your you, time Cade. on Blackbird. You were incredible in your episode. So good. And so kind of you to share about it with us. So next, dun, yeah. da, 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 we have Lainey Stiving. Yes. We love Lainey so much. Yes. She's, we're so thankful. She's been on board with our podcast for a while now. Since the very beginning, basically. Yes. So we're just so honored to finally feature her. So, And shout out to her dad, Michael. Yeah. He's a big fan, too. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Michael Stibing, Lainey's dad. He has been... He's been super supportive. He's been so supportive of our podcast and been really yes. excited about it. He's been a friend of the show since since our intro, I think, a long time. He comments In, and interacting uh, with us. Interacts. Yeah, yeah. And we're just so thankful. Super awesome. So shout out to Lainey and super shout out to Lainey's cool dad. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to let Lainey introduce herself and talk about her character. And mm-hmm. she has some very smart, thought provoking things to say about why it's so important that Jessica Roach remains a focus yes. for the story. Yes. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Lainey Stibing. I'm 20 years old. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I play Jessica Roach in the series Blackbird. Jessica is one of the victims of Larry Hall. She's actually the only victim whose body they found and were able to connect to Larry Hall, which kind of propels this whole investigation of him and potential murders. What should people know about Jessica Roach and her story? I think the show does a great job at portraying that she was just a normal 15-year-old girl who met a really bad person and ended up in a really bad situation. Especially episode 5, which is so special and so vital to the story as it, it shifts the focus narrative away from Larry and Jimmy for a minute and gives that power back to Jessica. And it serves as a great reminder to everyone that none of his victims should be remembered as just one of the victims. They should be remembered as young girls who had their whole lives ahead of them, but were taken away too soon by this man. You know, Jessica 
loved her parents. She loved hanging out with her sister, Mindy. Everyone kind of described her as a shy girl who always had her nose in a book. She loved to watch Gone with the Wind, and her parents said she had the biggest dream. She wanted to be a pilot and fly those big planes. I think it's important to remember that at the heart of the story is several young girls whose lives were taken away from them and several families whose lives were completely destroyed by the acts of Larry Hall. Wow. Lainey also told us about how booking the role went and what it was Mm -hmm. like working on her first big project. Yes. My agent sent over the audition. I remember it was a quick turnaround. It was due like the next day, so I didn't have much time. And this was COVID. It was early 2021, so COVID precautions and, you know, the industry is now self-tape. So I got the tape in, sent it to her. And about a week later, I got the call that they booked me straight off of tape. It was really fast. Acting in my first role was just a whirlwind. And I really thought that I would be more nervous than I actually was. But I really think it's because I just didn't have time to be nervous. You know, when I found out that I booked the role, I was, you know, going to fittings and COVID tests and all that fun stuff and then working the next week. So I didn't really have time to sit and kind of work myself up. But after the first day and after kind of those first day jitters, I was just so excited. Every day that I was planned to go to set, I just got so excited and I just wanted to be around everyone and be in that environment. There was one scene that we have in episode six. It was a pretty intense scene and I got a little nervous for it. I remember that day at a late call time, I went and visited my acting coach beforehand to kind of get some last minute pep talks in and all that. And I went in, I went into hair and makeup. They called me back into hair and makeup about three times because they just weren't quite sure of which look they wanted for the scene. And they were running behind that day. So I waited in my trailer for about six hours and you know, when something that you're anxious about and you have a lot of time beforehand, you just kind of work yourself up. And so that's kind of what happened. I was there by myself for six hours and just thinking about it and getting more nervous. And I was trying to distract myself, like making TikToks and watching TikToks and watching TV, but I just got really nervous. But once I was there, everyone was so nice and really calmed me down. And I wasn't nervous anymore once I stepped foot out there. And it ended up being a really great scene. All right. We will have to look out for what she was talking about, that big scene in episode six. Yes. Lainey also told us what she did to research this story with some help from her parents. So another big shout out to Lainey's dad and mom. So here's Lainey again. Yeah. Did I know anything about this story before I got the part? Actually, no. And that's because... All of the information that came along with the audition was little to none. I didn't know what the show title was. You know, that was a code name. I didn't know what my character's name was. She was just referred to as Midwestern Girl. I didn't even know it was a true story. So I really just did the best that I could with what I had for the audition. And then once I did get the part, all that information was revealed to me. And when I found out it was a true story, I immediately started 
you know, Googling and trying to find as much information about it as I could. And I was actually talking to my parents about it and telling them, you know, what I had found out about the story. And they were like, that sounds so familiar. And then they realized they had seen that episode on Dateline. They're big Dateline fans. So they were telling me about it. And we actually watched the Dateline episode. I watched another true crime show that did an episode on it. And I really just did a lot of reading on the internet about the story. Um, It was kind of hard to find, you know, stuff about her. There was a really great article that uh, her family wrote. They do a scholarship in her name at her school every year. And they had a lot of great information about her. And it really gave me insight into, you know, who she was, what kind of lifestyle she lived. And that was extremely helpful. That was interesting. Very cool. Um, Good to know about the scholarship too for jessica roach yeah for sure it was really cool yeah to learn laney also told us about some of the fun people that she got to work with on the show and how it was working in such difficult subject matter everyone that worked on this project both in front of and behind the cameras were amazing you know i was able to work with taryn and paul and I got to meet Greg Kinnear and all of the fantastic directors that we had and our cinematographer, Natalie Kingston. Just everyone there was amazing and put their whole heart and soul into this project. Honestly, one of my favorite people that I got to work with on the project was David. And he worked in the costume department and he was the one who I would go get fittings with. And he just always made my day. He was so funny and so nice. And we always just had so much fun on my fitting days. The showrunner, Dennis, really wanted to avoid showcasing the violence towards the women. So because of that, a lot of my scenes were very fun and lighthearted. You know, riding the bike, playing with my sister, being with my family. All of that was very fun and enjoyable to do. There, of course, is the scene of laying in the cornfields. And then there's the scene that we'll see in episode six, which was really the only dark scene that I had to do. And everyone on set that day was very respectful and gave everyone their space and really just let us find the scene. And, of course, it helps when you have fantastic actors like Taryn and Paul, who when they give so much like they do it makes your job a lot easier working with such great actors and such talented people was amazing i really couldn't have asked for a better first project to be a part of and like i said when you're working with such talented actors who give you so much it's it's unmatched like that is truly the best type of people to work with the ones that give you so much and serve you and it makes your job so much easier and allows you to give them so much more which of course creates a very dynamic scene Lainey also told us about some fun times while she had filming on set one of the most miserable scenes that we ever did but was also one of the funniest times was definitely laying out in that cornfield Um, It was extremely hot. You know, we're in New Orleans. It was the middle of summer. And I was covered head to toe in 
you know, makeup and fake sweat and fake blood and dirt. It was just very nasty and not the most enjoyable experience. But when we were filming the close-up scene that you see in episode one, um, the scene where you see Detective Miller pull the hair out of her face, they I was laying on my back and they had the camera, I mean, like, not even two inches away from my face, probably closer. And I, I couldn't move in between shots because I would have hit my head on the camera. And when they were, like, you know, adjusting in between takes the cameramen would make jokes and see if I would like move and they would say things like oh Lainey we're gonna go we're gonna go get a water we'll be right back don't go anywhere and they'd be like oh you can't go anywhere (laughs) so they made it much more enjoyable as miserable as it physically was they kept me laughing the whole time it really speaks to the amazingness of the project because yes. despite how hot and miserable it was, everyone yeah. had some such positive things to say overall about sure, everything yeah. else and making it the It was show. definitely hot. Definitely hot. But as far, you know, the incredible people involved, the cast, the crew, and the way the story was written, everyone loves it. So they suffered yes. through the heat for it. So it's great. And Lainey told us some more fun facts about the folks who played Jessica Roach's family and about yeah. filming the happy parts because yeah. everything that Jessica Roach filmed was happy. Happy. Something interesting and something that I find so funny is the fact that all of the actors in the Roach family I knew beforehand. Um, the actress that plays my older sister, her name is Megan Wolf. I've known her and her family for a few years now. And we thought it was so funny because she was playing my older sister and she's actually about five years younger than me. Um, the actress that plays my mother, Rachel Groves, she actually was one of my acting coaches for a few years. And her husband plays her husband on the show. So it was really funny when I saw their names and I was like, oh my God, I know all of them. And it was also really nice to have them because I filmed the scene with all of them on that first day. That was the first scene I ever filmed. And so it was really nice to have them there and calm my nerves because I was familiar with them. One of the most memorable parts of filming was definitely the day I got to do all those fun scenes with my sister. Um, I've known her for quite a while, so it was honestly just like hanging out with a friend, except, you know, there's cameras and microphones and people telling you what to do. But we had so much fun. We were at a state park and we got to play in the water and, you know, in our clothes. We were climbing on trees and playing with seashells and really just having fun on our own and improving and just kind of listening to what everyone was telling us to do. But we had so much fun. I thought that was an interesting story that, that she knew her family previously. Yeah, like, very cool. The, the she cat- knew everyone characters. already. So yeah, thank you so much, Lainey. Thank you, You're Lainey. You're a star. Um, you can follow Lainey Stibing on Instagram as well. She's at Lainey T. Stibing. And definitely follow Cade Tropiano on Instagram as well. He is at Cade.Tropiano. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. And yeah, thank you thank you both. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And yeah, thank you for listening. That's going to do it for us. Sorry we still didn't have time for Taryn. I mean, we had two <sighs> guests this episode, so right. we, we ran out of time. And Kristen has to go right now. Yes, so we got to run. We're literally out of time. So maybe Taryn will come in next time. Sorry about that, bud. Fingers crossed. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. We will see you we'll for see you next week. the finale. Oh, God, Yay. it's happening. 
We won't talk about it though. We're fine. We're on episode five still. Bye. Bye.